Bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to Weird Things. I'm Andrew Maine, joined as always by Brian Brushwood. I'm Justin Robert Young. And as always, my sidekick, uh, Brian Brushwood. And I'm Brian Brushwood, joined <laughs> as always by Justin Robert I'm Young. Hugh Downs. That and more on 2020. <laughs> and Andy Rooney, don't forget. Uh, hey, guys, if you haven't figured it out, <laughs> Andrew Maine is not among us. He's not among the living people who are currently doing this episode of Weird Things. So instead, no. it's just Robert Young, me, Brian Brushwood, and, of course, Bryce Neshkom Castillo, our fabulous producer. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure, I'm glad to be here. So let's let's dive back into something that we were talking about last week, which was uh, the unfortunate... Uh, and and the unfortunate tragedy in a Tesla automobile while the autopilot feature was on. Uh, when we last left this discussion, we had made uh, our, our points. And and uh, Brian, if if I am incorrect in summarizing your position as, hey, look, this is this is something that statistically is going to happen, and by the numbers, statistically has been proven to be safer than not having. Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, my exact quote was, hey, you want to make a robot omelet? You're going to have to break 30% fewer statistical eggs. Uh, my point, and, and, and wholly agreeing with what the, the, the meat of what you guys were saying, my only thought was that Tesla going forward might have to reassess how they use the term beta. And either in, in explaining what it is or calling it a beta, it is a very tech community kind of, of, of jargon, right? Uh, Gmail fam- uh, famously, while becoming the world-class free email service, was still a beta, quote-unquote, project from Google for years and years and years, far past it becoming a dominant player. And now, in Germany... Uh, there seems to be a uh, a confusion with the government over the term beta. Uh, the German Transportation uh, Safety Commission, for which I don't know exactly how they word it, uh, said that they would not have approved Tesla's autopilot because uh, they say that uh, if beta means not fully completed, then it shouldn't be on German roads. <sighs> I'm going to hush my mouth and hear Bryce's take first. I, I understand it. I, it, I, I understand uh, a transportation authority saying if this feature isn't fully realized, then it is, then there is, it could potentially create unforeseen incidents. Uh, obviously, I, there, you know, you have to break a few eggs sometimes, but when you're dealing with a, especially a huge feature like this, that could potentially say, let people be distracted. And we've seen videos of people sleeping in their Teslas. Um, I understand that stance. 
Uh, Elon Musk came out and said, well, you know, uh, if, if you are to be snarky, he kind of had one of those Steve Jobs, you're holding it wrong moments where he just said, no, you just don't understand what beta means. Beta means that this is the this is this service that has not run a certain amount of miles. It doesn't mean incomplete. It means that it is in a process for which it naturally has to be at uh, before uh, we can say, based on actual usage and mileage, that it is uh, out of beta. Well, Brian, so so let's let's it. let's uh, actually. It's a good thing I I, I, I took uh, ten seconds to achieve inner peace. Um, but let let's address the larger question of: Is it or should it be allowed for willing participants to engage in an activity? outside of regulations, right? Like, so if you're going to sell a car and you're going to pro proclaim it, like it, it drives itself or whatever, my guess is some kind of governmental en entity is going to want to do some tests and find out what it does and doesn't do to decide if it's legal or whatever. But in this case, you have a willing participant on both sides, one side saying, we are trying to achieve this thing. Would you like to uh, engage in it with the understanding that it is your job as a beta tester, as a tester of this product to, uh, keep your hands on the wheel and make sure that if anything weird happens, all you have to do is grab the wheel and control it and you will guide it to safety and you will give us valuable feedback on whether or not this works and in what, what kind of situations. The question is, should that activity be legal? And uh, in the United States, I think that in general, we tend to have a very rugged individualist attitude and we feel like, you know, each person is in charge of their own kingdom and so on. And so it's like, yeah, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. We don't know if this will work. I feel like uh, I would rather test it myself than not. And uh, uh, in Germany um, – I guess what, what we're hearing from, and by the way, I, I assume all of Germany didn't say this. I assume a person no. in Germany said this, right? Well, a, a, a person in the government. This sure. is uh, Germany's Federal Office for Motor Vehicles, the KBA. Okay, that's fine. First, okay, so a guy who does not speak for the country said something about the country. That's fine. Uh, I actually believe a lot of people in Germany don't feel this way. Um, but the, the question is, like, uh, I... I what does it mean to have freedom? And one of the things it means is that it means the freedom to engage in something stupid. I am a person who for 23 years has made my living putting my own life in danger. It is what I do. Every single day on stage, I drink poison that may in fact ultimately kill me. And I do it for the engagement of the audience. Everybody in the audience goes to watch the threat of a person killing himself live on stage. Uh, and um, I, maybe it's just an America versus uh, Germany thing, but it seems like I'm okay with that. If both parties are engaged, I, I, it's fine. Uh, the the only now this story would be very very different if the story was a Tesla automobile had killed another person. I guarantee you that is the story that their media department is on ultra high alert for. They are not on alert for a person gets killed in their car because when you run an automobile and manufacturer, it is a fact that people who buy your products are going to die in your product. Well, let's let's let, 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 let's get back to this one semantic argument. The word beta. Is it incumbent upon Tesla if, as Elon Musk has said, you are confusing what beta means 
to not use that term? No. Should they no. use a different term? Uh, if it if if it if it is if it is found confusing by either regulatory authorities in this country or elsewhere, or consumers in general, as this becomes well, a and, and that's the question: is really Google inadvertently shifted what the word beta means uh, to to uh, make it feel like a more complete product? As somebody who's beta tested a number of video games, uh, you know, I, I think beta has traditionally meant uh, so you have alpha, which means it kind of works. Wild West. Like we, we have we have a minimum functioning product, but if you play it or use it without it crashing or losing something, then like great. Mm-hmm. But Correct. you will likely like you are there to run into the walls, you know, that, that we don't realize are there. Right. Then you have closed beta where it's like we're pretty sure if we have a viable product, now we need to start cataloging all the things that are wrong, but we don't want to show it to everybody because we think it would damage our reputation and the excitement about this. Oftentimes, what they would look for in video games is like uh, specifically people who have beta tested on other games, and it's a big deal when you get accepted into the closed beta on there. Uh, but then you have open beta, which now we get into the Gmail thing, and I do understand semantically – um, it, uh, semantically, nothing has changed, but from a popular understanding position, uh, I think I think Gmail really made it to where everyone thought like, oh, beta means they're just not charging for it yet, mm-hmm. which which I which is yeah. not the case. Well, and, and I think of like what alternative words could be used, um, like something like experimental or in development. But this is a product that Tesla, for all, as far as we can tell intends to have this available on every car it can uh, uh, going forward. So it's it's not even like this is a maybe experimental sort of thing. Well, I mean, so what and, – and, and I will do my best to, to summarize what I am going to assume is Tesla's position. Their position is what – because as, as Brian d- described, the, the development stages I think is, is in line with what they're saying. That they have a closed beta, I'm sure, where they went and they drove X amount of miles based on their own uh, uh, testing. And once they were secure with that, the next phase of doing this is putting it out on the road based on everybody else's feedback, right? Uh, And specifically, when uh, you you are dealing with software or a service or an app or something, you are looking at a similar problem. Now that you've tried it with a small group, you need to try it with a larger group because once it's a final product, there is no going back. It's not like you can take the big public thing if it's a success and then say, no, 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 now nobody gets it. We're going back to the 12 people. So it's got to scale up to what it is going to do. And I think when the when something is as low stakes comparatively as an app, a service, a video game, if a beta is perfect and ready to roll, cool. If a beta kind of sucks and has a lot of problems, you can say, hey, it's a beta. Uh, we'll fix it or we're fixing it now. I don't know if, and this was the point I was making last week, if those, because we have understood those stakes to be so low in this tech field, that once you go to the huge stakes of putting a car out on the road and failure can equal and will equal death because there is no such thing as a safe automotive technology. Right. Uh, 
whether or not that phrase becomes more of a hindrance. So, so it, your question, if I'm hearing it correctly, is is it incumbent upon um, – uh, yes, semantically, we understand that beta from an engineering point means it's not complete. We want to test and identify bugs. But you're saying if um, absent that, separate from that, beta means something to the public, is it incumbent yes. on, upon Tesla to figure out a phrasing that more clearly conveys the experimental nature of the of this product? And I would say literally anything you call it will change absolutely nothing if it was called death drive and when you clicked death drive it said warning this product will drive you around a lot and at some point will steer you into a wall and kill you Ex please select yes no and you people would hit yes and they would do the exact same crap they're doing they would be playing battleship while their cars drove around until they ran into a wall it, it i i think beta changes absolutely nothing and more importantly if they were to come up with a new terminology the mm -hmm. thing is is they get to rely on the legal meaning of beta software right now there is precedent for what beta means that they get to lean on in the event of the software not working if they go off and make up some other word then they are establishing their own precedent they have nothing to stand on no scaffolding i think that would be an extraordinarily bad idea well i mean what no matter what you're going to have to a page through a like do you understand that this is a thing you're doing like yes or no and ultimately that would be their legal protection you know beyond what you know no, uh, no, no, no. Uh, well that's just it is right now you're saying beyond the word beta at least they have the structure and the precedent no, because well, all here, the me, laws me, based on precedent well let me let me let me just i mean i guess so my my point was and and we can we can move off this because this is this is such a pedantic stupid point but uh that if if Germany says, hey, look, they're calling it a beta. A beta means incomplete. We don't want incomplete things on our roads. Uh, would that be, uh, I guess, if, 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 unless I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, your, your point is it wouldn't matter whether or not the fact that like right now they're debating over the meaning of beta. It, th that dude would have said, hey, that's a dangerous feature no matter what. He would have found a way to say this is a dangerous feature and I don't, I'm not comfortable with it on German roads, whether or not it was called beta or, you know, future add-on or research, whatever, yes. you know, that, yeah, that, yeah. in, in that regard, a reason to say something bad about it. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, it sounds to me like this is, this is, these are the things you say when a disaster happens, not in your country. And you want to say some words that will garner favor with people above you in a bureaucracy. You say like, well, I never would have done that. That's what this boils down to. This guy says, I would never have missed that three-point shot, which is a horse crap thing to say and has no bearing on this discussion. And it, 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 was, it was a small thing to say by a small person in a small country, America, 2016. Uh, there does, and this will be the final word on this, but, but there is some significance to uh, this official making his opinion clear. Uh, uh, Autopilot has been given approval by the Netherlands, uh, but Germany is Europe's biggest car market. So uh, if, if this is a signifier that there would be issues going forward, uh, then it, it could possibly affect Tesla's growth overseas. But, eh. uh, 
Yeah, you know exactly and, how and much. Maybe that. I don't know. It just sounds like so many words. It sounds like a bunch of talky talk that won't matter. I mean, I look. Some bureaucrat somewhere says he wouldn't have missed that three point shot. It won't matter when three years from now all of Germany is rioting because, like, why are we killing our citizens every year well, by allowing humans to drive? We need uh, weird, weird. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean that's a fact. That's a fact. Uh, the the longer no, 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 we no, allow, I was just saying it's a yeah, yeah. You were making a Hitler thing. Um, uh, but I'm I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying that that the longer we allow humans to drive, the more innocent people we murder and the faster we can get robots in charge, the better. And I think once people see those numbers, things will pivot very, very quickly. It will become increasingly unpopular to sit there and romanticize driving. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think that that, that we're going to get much, much argument on that point. (laughs) Well, and, Uh, and my kind of last thought on this is in a world where these cars receive over the air updates and so much of this is built on software, when at what point is software complete? At what point do 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 they stop entering you know initial development and it becomes optimizations or patches, bug fixes, like when is complete? Well, and, and, and that's the classic question with all software. The only thing different about this question and this uh, situation is uh, the software might kill you. <laughs> like, like that, uh, the question is how much does that fundamentally alter the discussion? You know, cause it's one thing to, you know, buy a crappy game for, uh, inc- that's incomplete for $60. It's another thing to, you know, have your car not recognize that you're headed towards a semi. Well, and cars probably, I mean, besides recalls couldn't exactly get frequent updates as certainly at the clip that Tesla's do. Uh, uh, so that's also kind of uh, my guess would be a, a newer sort of paradigm in the auto industry uh, is updating your car. So, uh, so yeah, uh, th- there is more on this. You can read uh, Elon Musk linked uh, Peter Diamandis's uh, blog about it and uh, his uh, exact quote uh, when linking the fortune story was misunderstanding of what beta means for Tesla, uh, to Tesla for autopilot. Any system with less than a billion miles of real-world driving to them is beta. It is not that it is not ready. It is that it has not driven one billion miles. Uh, so that that is his point. Uh, uh, he also... Weird, weird week for Elon, and and believe you me, I mean we 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 revere Elon Musk as a a, a god made flesh here on this podcast, and, and we will not stop anytime now. But uh, he was very heated at Fortune specifically this week, uh, and uh, uh, gleefully linked a Reddit AMA with uh, Stephen Gandel, a senior editor at Fortune, who had written about Tesla and Elon Musk specifically when it came to uh, whether or not Elon Musk had not reported the death because it was or was not material to a stock sale that he had. Uh, Elon Musk was obviously made personally upset by this and, and gleefully uh, retweeted an AMA that Gandel did where uh, he did not answer some pointed questions. So follow up. You too can follow the squabbles of Elon Musk if you follow his Twitter. I, I will say this uh, in complete, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, 180 to my attitude uh, up to this point. Um, 
I don't like uh, Elon Musk should not be getting defensive, and are, it's not the right time. Like just I mean, after that, a that dude train's dies. left the station, right? Like, yeah. like he he's got a he's he's got a you know a, a, a trigger fingers turned to Twitter fingers uh, problem because when when he when when he gets upset about something, he is not shy. He's he, like him and like Mark Cuban. They've got that same. Like, uh, well, well, here, here, here's the data dump emails that uh, this reporter sent me, and let me create the narrative. Uh, and I don't mean that to say that they're fabricating it, but let, yeah, let sure, us, sure, uh, yeah, shape the us, direction of what I mean. It's like there's only one tweet. We should see 85 copies of the same tweet. Such a tragedy. The only acceptable fatalities is zero. Doing our best to get there. Love, EM. <laughs> I mean, that's. I, I I don't. Uh, it wouldn't be him, right? You know. No, that's it, true. That's true. There is there is part of it, and obviously, listen, it gives us a talking point here on this show, and Andrew abandons us. But like, <laughs> uh, you know, this is we get to see the, the 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 mercurial genius in all of his plumage, right? In 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 in, in petty moments and in glorious. He he can have the big. Uh, a happy uh, raising his fists in, in glory when a rocket lands and he can have every little personal, yeah, but your glasses are stupid moments with <laughs> reporters. Yeah. Uh, anyway, hey, uh, you, you know what the only acceptable response to any of this news is? Uh, Brian, would it be going to patreon.com slash weird things and helping support this very podcast? Look, man, uh, uh, teach the debate. There's only one way to do that. We're the only people having a responsible debate about whether or not Sasquatch is secretly in love with the Loch Ness Ness Monster and whether or not a robotic Tesla is pleasuring itself watching the two of them hook up. uh, You will not hear that on anyone else on the lamestream media and that, that don't come by itself. We got to pay for producers and for server time and for streaming and so on. So head on over to patreon.com slash weird things. Uh, thank you to everybody who has uh, supported us. And uh, we, we hope to continue to bring you top quality content here at patreon.com slash weird things. Yeah. Uh, man, that video, how, how, how artifacty is that video now that I, I recorded that? My part in the Go Game office, where I no longer work, uh, Brian, your studio was set up uh, a totally different- differently. Yeah, we've grown so much. We, this is pre-producer. This is back when I was switching everything myself. And uh, and Andrew, this is before he got a webcam. Ever, the forever handsome gentleman. I swear, <laughs> he is going to just look exactly like that at both of all of our funerals. You too, Bryce. Yeah. You, you <laughs> just going to be standing over there with his with his perfect skin, like. Uh, what a jerk. <laughs> Seems legit. <laughs> well, what's going on, guys? Oh, okay. I, uh, th- this is that weird moment where we have that pause, and yeah. um, I didn't know if you had an angle to go, but I do have an angle to go. Oh, go, go, please. Um, uh, this is, this is I, I, I don't know how to couch this as a scenario, but, uh, but I had a horrifying moment earlier today. Oh. I, um, uh, it was, first of all, it was joy. In order, things that happened. Justin Robert Young bought a melodica that he had shipped to my house. That's uh, that is that is a true story. Thing uh, the, the, number the, two, the, 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 the nickel door. Apparently, there was a buying instruments for the Brushwood Children's Arms Race, and yes. I wanted to make sure that I I like a good lobbyist. Uh, 
continue to to funnel instruments into the brushwood home. Second thing that happened was I wanted to explain to the kids why a melodical was or melodica was awesome slash hilarious. So I went to go load the uh, the Jurassic Park melodica clip, but then yeah. but then I thought, oh wait, these kids don't know what Jurassic Park is. So then I went to canistream.it and uh, typed in Jurassic Park, and it turns out, guess what, people? All three of the original Jurassic Park movies are showing right now on Netflix. So I was like, oh, my God, best uh, best chance to show the kids ever. Yeah. So I showed a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old Jurassic Park, and they lasted almost an hour, spending most of it complaining. Yeah. Aww. So where, where 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 did you get on the on the tap out? Where, where, uh, the scene where, the scene with the T Rex, literally the best scene, the most iconic, the biggest, most climactic, powerful scene. scene yeah. uh, Before and then, or after he eats the lawyer. Spoiler alert. Uh, yes. Oh, by the way, is that lawyer Jonathan Price? Did I somehow miss the and forget this? That the High Sparrow, I think, is the lawyer. Oh uh, wow! Really? Yeah. No. T- uh, take take a look at him. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Oh my God! It, it 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 definitely is like like all of a sudden a young version of the High Sparrow shows up talking with a uh, overly cheesy American accent and then gets eaten by a T Rex and it's the High Sparrow oh, yeah. from uh, from uh, Game of Thrones. Do coupon day. <laughs> so so here's the thing: I don't know because the kids followed the plot and Penny was kind of into the idea. Of, you know, like, oh, he's stealing the embryos and is sabotaging the whatevers and blah, blah, blah. But but once it became, like, I did not realize how much of Jurassic Park is a monster movie. A full-on, straight-up, oh. not here to teach you a lesson, no grand adventure. We're here to try to scare the living pants off of you. And yeah. yet was not marketed that way, is not remembered that way. It is it's a terrifying more, monster movie. It's remembered more as a science fiction film, really, than a horror movie. But like Alien, it is far more a just the the creatures in the house horror. It, like, well, and and uh, yeah, and it's like they just barely. I, I it, it's weird. It's weird to go back and watch it with uh, with fresh eyes, looking at it from you know the blank slate of kids. Uh, Bryce. Was it that they were scared that they couldn't last, you know, longer than an hour? Or? No, 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 no. I, I mean, they. Um, first of all, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, full disclosure. Penny wanted to watch Kung Fu Panda Three, so the whole first hour I had to hear why we weren't watching <laughs> Kung Fu Panda Three. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's hard, man. You can't. It doesn't matter how good your candidate is if you're running against a hometown favorite. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I was like, well, to get over. Yes, I, I, I was convinced that Penny would get into the science or whatever. But, but I guess by modern terms, the the whole science of it is fairly cliche as well. Uh, and I don't know. It's it, and it's got a very anti technological message to it. I don't know. It's uh, I'd hate to say it, but I don't, I don't think Jurassic Park aged really well. And I would love oh, as oh, homework oh, for people this to is- watch it with fresh eyes. Number one, and this is getting a little bit more night attack than weird things, but like uh, Brian and I's debates over the various incarnations of Jurassic Park is, is maybe as old as our friendship. Sure. Uh, 
you know, I, I don't know. This is the final frontier, though. Well, and keep want- in mind, when I say it doesn't hasn't aged well, I don't mean, you know, the, the, the computer graphics and the puppetry, all of the special effects actually do really, really well. But I'm saying, like, the way we remember Jurassic Park is not the movie that exists. We are remembering a romanticized, uh, a fantasized version of it that, that highlights essentially 20 minutes of the movie. The majority of the movie is a very weird-ass story that is that none of us have remembered. Uh, GGG in the chat asks if we read the book. Uh, of course, I would refer you to our ongoing, months-long, years-long discussion about whether you should read the book or watch the movie first. We've, we've done both. Yeah, that was the first uh, sure. attack album. And you yeah. do can can relive that argument uh, <laughs> by buying our comedy album Night Attack. The first one that we did, the one with the yellow cover. Uh go ahead and buy it. Uh, iTunes and Amazon available now. I so I I think what I'm saying is the last track. The last track, Jurassic Park. Yeah. 8 minutes of us talking about the book in the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and you know, what, whatever. That's all, all this is neither here nor there. But, but it kind of opens up the discussion. What other movies do we not remember the way they were intentioned? Uh, like I think of um, uh, the, uh, uh, the Exorcist is, is survive, has survived and celebrated for different things. Uh, we saw, the, as you mentioned, the Aliens franchise, Alien. Well, I mean, I would, I would say the ones that tend to be skewed are the ones where we remember certain outsized moments and, and we, we tend to expand that and make them the entire movie. So Jurassic Park, obviously, uh, because it was this special effects Marvel as well as uh, a Steven Spielberg in the peak of his powers, uh, you know, movie has great uh, acting performances. We, we, we remember these kind of iconic moments and sort of spread them out in our head. But I would say really the ones that we have the, the, the worst memory on are ones where there's like a big acting performance that just steals the show. Like right. I, I think like people, this might not like, be a like a few film. good men. Uh, the majority of a few good men was a really boring, very tedious procedural show. But we all remember the one monologue of uh, uh, Jack Nicholson saying you can't handle the truth and all that. Sure. Or like, you know, the, the, the fact that Beetlejuice doesn't show up in the movie Beetlejuice for the first 30 minutes. Like, you know, there's, we, we don't think about that. We just think of it as, you know, Michael Keaton's movie because he plays this iconic character when really it's not the main character. Right. Uh, what about you, Bryce? Uh, uh, is there a movie that you came to after the fact and that just you didn't understand? Like, like viewing it from a blank slate meant something very different than what you thought it would? Hmm. I don't know that I've had a, had a super strong experience with that, but I know when I was young, I, the the movie that I would always watch is uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas. And I have a feeling that if I went back to that movie nowadays, uh, all of my like obsession with it as a kid would have been about just the way it looked and just it kind of being a musical and not like... And any sort of not about the fact that it was a, had, a, a death it, yeah. cult celebrating, <laughs> looking to invade the territory of Christmas and yeah. pervert the meaning of the birth of Christ the Savior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll tell you the biggest thing that I had was wasn't a movie, but it was a book. It was it was uh, it was the Great Gatsby. I used to read the Great Gatsby. I, I loved it in high school, and I'd read it periodically. And then, like at some point, when I was like maybe 30 or 31, I reread it again, and I'm like, this is trash. This is not a good book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I 
Uh, right. So anyway, yeah, big shots to F. Scott Fitzgerald. I, I got one more weird thingsy thing because I feel like we've gotten into into super night attacky. Uh, sure, sure, uh, sure, sure. But I do want to talk. Bryce did something uh, <laughs> that I don't understand. Uh, culturally or entertainment-wise. Oh, my God. This is a weird thing. For everybody who is waiting for a scenario, here's a scenario <laughs> that actually happened and is happening. This is the weirdest thing happening on the planet right now that is an actual thing. Everything else that you think is, is a weird thing is a made-up story. This thing is actually happening, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not Pokemon Go. Uh, I, I would have an opinion on Pokemon Go if the app would actually uh, load uh, information uh, once in a while instead of being kind of a garbage app. Fun game, garbage app. I think we can all agree. Wait, uh, uh, what, 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 uh, hold on. Uh, time, time, time out. What's the platform on Pokemon Go? Is it all smartphone or is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's AR where like you, you walk around in physical space. All of a sudden you see a Pokemon pop up. You tap the Pokemon and now you get AR uh, of it being somewhere around you and you just flick Pokeballs at it. Uh, to, Wait, to so you don't even actually play the Pokemon battle? You don't use spells that are super effective and so on? Not really. Like no. that's, the combat now, is apparently there's bad. there's a battle training situation. I don't like if you it. go to certain places. You can't battle other Pokemon trainers, you, but you can battle test things. Apparently, that's fairly fun. It's like they're gyms, so it's like Ingress. If yeah. you know Google Ingress, yeah, okay. Uh, I, 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 and yeah. again, Ingress is a is a unique and fascinating phenomenon. It's just not what I would. It seems very off brand for Pokemon to do that, but whatever. Yeah. Well, whatever it is, man, it is it is certainly a big gigantic hit for them. They, I, oh sure, they, sure, yeah. You're very well with it. However, that's not what we're talking. We're not talking about Pokemon Go. We are talking about social. Eating. This is a new uh, a vertical, a new category for Twitch, uh, which has made its its name as a video game streaming platform uh, and done very very well with it. Uh, it has then uh, spread into creative streams, which is something full ex uh, full disclosure. My wife works for Twitch Creative, uh, and now. Uh, in their in their drive to find what people want to stream online, they have opened a new separate realm called social eating, which is apparently uh, huge in Korea. Uh, and Bryce, what uh, all, like, we we have had no discussions about this. I haven't talked to Bryce about it. I randomly just saw him on Twitter mm -hmm. talking about how he was about to do a social eating stream. Uh, before we get into what you did, okay, what interests you? In the idea of eating on camera and interacting with people while you are eating, I um, uh, so uh, we'll talk about the the specific product, the specific thing probably in a bit. But um, there's a weird thing that I wanted to try out. I wanted to have an experience of sharing it with people in some sort of live setting. Um, I've used things like Periscope and Meerkat in the past, but those are very like. In the moment, they are on your phone. I'm someone who likes to have like a lot of control over stuff like that. Um, and so uh, it, it was either like, oh, I can live tweet it, but then that's, you know, just lost in my timeline. Or I can, I have this outlet on Twitch and I can just like have this, in, this weird uh, uh, moment of trying out this weird food with people. 
um, especially in a moment now where like this is a sort of spotlit avenue for it. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I think that's what it boiled down to is that it was Twitch opening up a door that uh, a lesser service I or uh, avenue would have been where I take that, you know, because um, it's not like I was cooking it. it you know, have you, yeah. So so you are, and again, yeah, you're not cooking because again, you can cook on on Twitch okay. Creative. That's a different thing. This is just for social eating. Yeah. Uh, have you watched social eating streams? Before you did it, I've watched I've watched one or two, uh, and they're they are very conversational. Uh, you know, you you get a, you see the food, they talk about it a little bit, they talk about other stuff. Sometimes there are other people, um, and so in that sense, it's kind of not much different than like a vlog or some sort of like YouTube review, but it's yeah. just in stream format, um, which is uh, which being live can help. Uh, offset how kind of long it can be. So here's what's weird about this to me. Um, yeah. And, and I, I assume this is actually, you, uh, you tell me whether or not you think yeah. this is uh, by, the way, by the way, Cruz or Krug uh, in the chat room says mukbang. Yes, mm-hmm. that is what this is trying to capitalize on, the Korean phenomenon of mukbang, which is social eating. Okay. So here's the weird um, supernova explosion of Justin TV eventually collapses into the, uh, uh, I'd say white dwarf, but that would imply that it's not bigger than the supernova itself, of, of Twitch.tv. They figured out, uh, uh, Justin TV is like, hey, share stuff, people watching you do things. That's great. Turns out that idea is too general. It wasn't until they launched the, the Twitch.tv uh, brand that uh, specifically was about video games that it's like, oh, wow, people like to know that they're going to get one kind of experience when they go in. They don't know, you know, on Justin TV, if somebody's going to be hosting a comedy podcast or attending a political rally or, or, or disciplining their kids or whatever. Um, and so, and so Twitch TV made sense. Cause it's like, it's a very simple structure. There are video games. There's an inherent story. There's always conflict. This is a place for people to mesh uh, personality with something that's fairly universally relatable. Uh, then they did the same thing with uh, with with creative, creative, brilliant. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Bob Ross. Uh, oh, duh. You know, we've watched Bob Ross for decades, and yes, of course, uh, let's let's make that replicate it and do Twitch TV. Same thing for cooking. Here's the one thing: mm-hmm. there is not a segment of the populace that inherently absolutely abhors seeing food cooked. There's not a segment of the populace that reacts viscerally and angrily when somebody plays a video game. There is that for watching people eat. And I'm having a brave moment right now. I'm going to come out to you guys as somebody who suffers from, let me look up the word again, misophonia misophonia uh-huh i cannot handle mouth sounds i yeah. cannot handle the sound of cotton mouth i cannot handle my my kids uh there there is a flat rule that is very oh i and i get ordinarily enforced that. i have i have been at the brushwood dinner table and uh you know there is like you know singing there is uh, 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 play Fine. acting. All there is standing on the chair to make a point. 
a lot of that. Hey, listen, let's call it in the field. Let's let you see if it's not disruptive. Let's just let it get it out of their system. There is one thing that even before I notice it, Brian will snap on immediately. And that is, Penny, close your mouth. <laughs> she's actually gotten much, much better, especially at the dinner table. She's very focused and engaged. But uh, what's, what, the, the, the thing that would drive me nuts is I'd be sitting there uh, typing away, doing stuff on the computer, and and the, ki- the children would idly come wandering into the office, and I wouldn't notice it at first, but all of a sudden, I just over my ear is... yeah. And I, I, I lose my mind about it. And I don't understand it. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm right on this. This is a weird, messed up thing in my mind. But I cannot handle it. And I don't know any... It, it is... I think, I think it's... I think it is non-consensually intimate. And I hate it. Okay. Like, I don't want to know or think or feel what your mouth is doing. I do not. That is not, that is a violation of the social contract. So there's uh, also another vector, which is like now, uh, uh, you know, Brian uh, and I and Bryce, you know, we are professional broadcasters and that we get paid to broadcast. And part of that is that you hear, similar to Brian, that people have an issue with listening to people chew and eat and stuff on the air, mm-hmm. right? Like that that's considered to be unprofessional or rude. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just might be out of this particular field, right? Because obviously, at least in, in Korea, where this is a, a proven phenomenon, people very much enjoy watching people eat. You know, this is, this is a, a, a plus. Bryce, you are the one who went out and 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 into this brave new world, uh, conducted one of these streams, but earlier today, mm-hmm. uh, did you learn anything about yourself or or, or your audience? Uh, I definitely, because uh, it's, it's Sunday when we're recording this, so, th- so there are certainly like people around. Uh, and uh, if doing the social eating stream uh, is maybe the second time where I've done a Twitch stream and solely based on the category uh, of of what I'm doing, the social eating, yeah. have I actually like gotten random people to get in the chat room? Which and- is part of the brilliance of of Twitch in general. If you're not familiar with it, you wind up you you tend to get because you've categorized it into video games or exactly what kind of creative thing you're doing or social eating. There are people that just like watching those streams. They like watching Hearthstone being streamed. They like watching people cook. They like watching people eat. So like they will just follow that and that's what happened to you. You had random people that were just there to watch somebody eat. Yeah, and and I definitely had, you know, uh, uh, lots of uh, chat realm regulars who showed up. And there was a lot, there was a really good amount of back and forth of, Asking questions and and responding to to different things, um, and it it was surprisingly focused on the food. Um, it's it's a weird it's it's interesting to hear your um, uh, uh, semi my, my, my reverse ASMR stance. Well, it, <laughs> it was interesting to hear that because I when when you were saying that I was like, well, you know, it's not like I'm chewing with my mouth open or I'm trying to get the sound picked up 
but then like, I, like you're you're not doing foley work of like, like. <laughs> you're not you're not calling up Rob Kreckle looking for recommendations. Yeah, but, but then I'm I'm rewatching. We've got the 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 live stream here, and I definitely remember like talking with my mouthful. Maybe not necessarily eating, you know, full open on the mic, but like having kind of this immediate thing. I don't know a way a way to describe it, but um. It almost didn't even register. Like I felt, I felt like when I was doing it, I was trying not to be that thing of of doing some sort of ASMR uh, experience. But that uh, was was generally pretty uh, 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 in the back of my mind. Uh, the chat influ- the chat like element of it is is huge. Um, probably bigger than. Uh, just any random game like it's it's like when I do music streams where you get a lot of people who will come in and ask very specific questions and you can engage and interact with them where if you were playing a video game you kind of are splitting a little more focus with the game sure uh and right and I, I i I suspect that there's a whole aspect of this that that is not the intimacy uh thing that I was talking about. I suspect mm-hmm. that a big part of it is you know we like watching the process of food created. It seems like you know nobody shows the uh, finale the 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 final act is of course the food being consumed, and I assume that there's a number you know you see all the hard work that goes into a particular dish and you think, does anybody notice the uh the the crispness um of the honey apple? Uh, marinade of the whatever mm-hmm. you know and and this is an opportunity to be like oh do you experience all these things with familiar objects um so so i i might have taken a slightly off track but certainly my weird uh, uh mi- misophonia has prevented me from ever looking at any of this like like i just it it just seems like at best i'll hear descriptions of foods that i would normally eat which to a lot of people is the point of doing it, sure. but to me is, you know, uh, I, 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 I done anyway. And at worst I have to hear, you know, somebody slurping their spaghetti and I would not like that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, JC Calhoun has, has uh, a similar first reactions that I did that, you know, you assume that either it is a, a fetish thing or B about seeing people eat weird things, uh, or a lot or spicy things. So kind of more in the vein of like, watch people eat ghost peppers or something like that or take the cinnamon challenge, this, like, physical kind I, of... Uh, I, I guess that's the weird part, is while I would never want to consume uh, any version of any of this, I, I actually would have no problem doing it for other people, like, performing it. Uh, and, and I mean, w- was it a good experience, Bryce? Uh, yeah, I, I ended up having a good... Uh, it, it was it was short, is one thing, is compared to my other streams, it was something where, like, I got about 45 minutes in and I, like... I could tell I was kind of winding down and a lot of people had left at that point. But for those 45 minutes, it was pretty high activity compared to something like a game stream or a music stream, which can go on for, you know, hours um, with sort of a a more sustained, lower activity thing. So, Bryce. Yeah. Will you return to the social eating arena? If if I find something as... If I find something half as intriguing as... The, the thing that I ate today, uh, then I would. Uh, I had the mac and Cheetos, which if you watch the Weird Things Live, we spent maybe 10 minutes talking about the absurdity of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what, is, what is your one-sentence review of the mac and Cheetos? Uh, surprising, uh, surprisingly tastes like mac and cheese. 
didn't I didn't expect it to taste like mac and cheese, but it tastes like Easy Mac. I mean, as long as we broke the seal on this, but it like there's, sure. it sounds like there's very little Cheeto aspect to this. It sounds like I, they just took a mac and cheese cheese uh, fried cheese stick and then figured out a label they could slap on from the Frito Lay Corporation. Yeah, like if anything. Maybe they called it Mac and Cheetos to explain why it's a little powdery inside. <laughs> All right. But, uh, uh, yeah, the, the Cheeto flavor is not there. It ta- like it should be like, I, I don't know, it, 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 some, it tastes more like Kraft Mac and Cheese than a Cheeto. Where have you gone, Chester Cheetah? A nation turns its lonely eyes to you. Uh, hey, Justin, I'd hate to uh, uh, drag us backwards, but it seems like you've effectively dodged putting in your own take on this and and uh, you know i understand oh, so that you're leading uh yeah. Well, yeah i mean yeah what do you think i think it's weird and I, <laughs> I, I think it's okay well, and that's the thing it's not only is the act weird mm-hmm. but but it is weird to me and again maybe you don't want to comment because your wife works for twitch.tv but it's like it's just weird to me that that's what they would pick for the next big thing they've had big hits with uh creative with video games with food I, I just social eating is so strange. Well, I, I mean, listen, this, this is there are there, there's an audience for this, right? You know, a mukbang is a thing, and and Open Bayou says mukbang was about people from poor areas of Korea getting to understand what fancy food tastes like. And there is an element to this that I do understand. Ashley does cooking uh, cooking streams that are vegan, uh, and then I, as an omnivore, come in and I eat the vegan cooking and I describe what it is and what it tastes like from my palate because I also eat meat, right? And and sometimes that is favorable, but uh, it, it creates a better, more fuller and complete picture for her streams, in my opinion, uh, because now you get a little bit of a sense of what it tastes like, right? So there are elements of this I do understand. I don't quite understand building a brand on it, you know, or I don't understand... Like, all right, well, you know, it's Taco Tuesdays on my social eating channel. Uh, get ready for the crunch. Like, I don't, I don't understand that as a drive. But then again, Brian, there is so much of this big, bountiful, beautiful internet for which I have no plug into. And yet it seems to hum along just fine. Hey, man, I got a pick. Yeah, man. What's You're, up? Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, nobody saw it coming except for Bryce, who already wrote it in. <laughs> There's brief moments of true ESP that happens, and you just witnessed it you happening. You know what's so funny <laughs> is that I knew it was going to be someone's pick, and I thought it would be Justin because he just binged watched. Oh, that's great. Okay. Uh, and that's my pick as well, <laughs> Mr. Robot, getting the, uh, the, 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 the double pick uh, nod here. Um <laughs> Uh, Bryce, you you have seen it, right? Yeah, I actually I actually just rewatched it this weekend. Oh my god! Uh, well, I was at um, I forget where I was. I was out at some uh, yeah, crap. Uh, whatever. I saw like like I was at a restaurant or whatever, and up in the corner, just out of the corner of my eye, I was like, oh, that's Mr. Robot. They're oh. re- they're doing marathons. They're showing re- <laughs> Mr. Robot, and it made me so happy that something that so accurately represents um the heart of current modern-day hacker culture that treats its audience with so much um, uh, respect for their intelligence and their savviness, you know, um, that that takes a bunch of 
countercultural positions and doesn't make a cartoon out of them, although we may feel differently in the future. I don't know. Uh, but for right now, holy cow, does Mr. Rob, Ro, Robert, Robert, Mr. Robert, <laughs> Mr. <Yeah>. Robert, <laughs> uh, Mr. Robot make me so very, very happy. It's a really, really good show. I was kind of unprepared for it. Uh, you know, I had heard that it was good. Um, I, I don't want to kind of tread on on part of the, you know, there 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 is this kind of big dangling conceit that uh, I think the, the show handles expertly. I, I, I think it's fine to tip that because it's clear from the very first episode. I watched the very, in fact, in the first two minutes of the first episode, he identifies himself well as a unreliable narrator and, and says that your presence as a viewer is part of the experience. And I remember thinking like, Oh my God, this feels like fight club. And then by the end of the first episode, and again, this is not a spoiler. It's only a spoiler. If you, if you haven't watched the first episode, first episode, their mission is pretty much to execute exactly the mission from Fight Club. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is Fight Club, the TV show. This is amazing. Uh, I mean, right down to playing the the, the, the Pixies song, you yeah, know. Well, uh, yeah, that, that that comes way down the road. But, yes. I mean, sure. I yes. mean, but, but it does not run from that comp. Correct. Uh, if anything, I think that it, it almost embraces it. Uh, there's there's the, the, the episode that really kind of brought me into this, like, next-level enjoyment was... I am in general, uh, I'm not a big fan of hallucination episodes or dream episodes. Like, I think that when The Sopranos did it back in the late 90s, when the show was really, really good, it was this kind of artistic flourish just to show that this was not the same procedural uh, on, on, on network television. That, like, like this is, this is going to be cinematic. We're going to do cinematic things like waste 10 minutes in this really weird arty dream sequence because that's what we can do. We're HBO. We're a different kind of show. And when it really hurt the program, the Sopranos specifically, uh, you know, when, when you do two full episodes where, where, you know, Tony for various reasons is, is in his own fantasy parallel universe. I think that it can be really indulgent and really, really stupid. There is a, episode in Mr. Robot that does every element of that with this uh, this this requiem for a dream kind of sheen on top of it and it is jaw dropping and again that's another one where it doesn't run from the comp because it has this very requiem for a dream sort of feeling right down to the fact that the television is kind of giving these these uh you know uh, uh, uh signals and is is kind of playing this greek chorus uh, and then Keith David's voice shows up randomly, and you're like, yeah, no, they know what they're doing. This is a show that has more control over what it is doing than you think it is. It is smarter than you, and you are thrilled as it unfolds before you. Yeah, well, and that particular episode uh, per, uh, serves a purpose in that it added more confusing imagery to throw you off the scent of what they actually wanted to do. So it's like when you when you remember things, oftentimes you don't remember the the situation, but you remember the images of it. And uh, for the for the coy things that they pull off over the first season of the of the series, it is very effective and important that 
even though you don't remember why you saw those set pieces, it's important that you remember you saw those set pieces so that, uh, uh, so that uh, to, uh, again, to give maximal impact to where stuff goes Dude, later on. No, people are in the chat room saying, oh, I skipped through it or I felt cheated because I was like, what, at the end? Man, rewatch that episode right now because there is no wasted calories. They are all, every element of that is setting stuff up that pays off yes. later. Yes, in, yes, in, yes, in, yes, in, yes. In the show. Like, it is brilliant in that while you're, like, wondering, okay, is this real? Is this not? This is obviously a fantasy. How much of a fantasy is it? What At what point did the fantasy start? You're asking yourself all these questions. You become uh, legitimately disoriented into the story, which is kind of the point thematically. Uh, every element. It's all there. It's all there for a reason. Even though it just feels like a big uh, jumbled mush, it all pays off. It is so good. Uh, yeah, couple of notable uh, performances. Uh, first of all, Christian Slater, I think this might be the favorite thing I've ever seen him do in anything ever. Uh, like, um, uh, and, and granted, he plays a one-note character, but it is a utterly engaging note. Even going back and watching the first episode for the third or fourth time, I was just like, uh, the brief moments he's in there, I was, I was sucked in. It's, can, we just, can we just say poutiest lips on, on television, all of them? Like every every one of the that cast, they just yeah. have <laughs> yeah. Like, the, all of the wives and girlfriends oh, are, like, are pouty, except for maybe the. Oh, I almost uh, gave a spoiler. Hmm. Uh, except for one of uh, Rami Malek's teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, but certainly. Um, uh, by the way, the wife. Jeez, uh, trying real hard not to be spoilery. Uh, the wife of the guy who works from E Corp. Um, there is a scene with her. And Rami Malik, only one scene in the entire first season where the two of them meet. And it is electric when you watch it one way. It's even more electric if you try on, you go back and watch it again, trying on different scenarios. And this is the genius of the unreliable narrator is you're like, literally anything could be true. Try on different things. And it just gets more and more interesting. So good. I mean, they, they hit you with the, with, with, Part of the, the 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 twist to the central conceit for which you feel that you have a handle on, and I I I bought it so hard that I legitimately went, I fully went the opposite direction, and and then when they re-reveal it to be another thing or a clarification of the thing, uh, I, I was also surprised. Man, it, it's just. It really is just just uh, a fully, fully, fully exceptional filmmaking, uh, and I, I think that you know that there's this really, really weird, uh, uh, I think, definable class of 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 shows that are on now, and I would say specifically. Fargo, Preacher, and Mr. Robot. Yes, yes, yes. That That is fully self-aware and knows to inoculate you against certain uh, eye-rolling tropes. Like, like it knows that you know that this is a thing they do, but by mentioning or hinting that they know that you know whatever, it suddenly puts you in a disarmed state to where you can follow along to those big leaps. But it also kind of feels like this freewheeling, and obviously Fargo is is kind of a direct thing because it has the legacy of the Coen brothers. But it almost feels to me like kind of what independent cinema felt, uh, or what we would understand as independent cinema uh, felt like in like the late '90s. Uh, there, there are these a lot of these kind of 
big, wild, crazy stories uh, that go in their own direction and rely on strong characters and strong plotting and strong storytelling uh, and and yet are taking visual chances and are, are trying to look for their own visual style that just kind of envelops you. Like, it, it is, uh, you know, we've, we've often talked about kind of this, like, golden age of television that started in the late 90s and, and has kind of stretched on now for two decades, uh, or two decades plus. But this they, these shows feel like they are put together, right? Like, yeah. they just have these these big cinematic kind of feels to them. They all have... And and by the way, this is a fun game. If you've already watched Mr. Robot, go back and watch it again. But take a look at... uh, And and Bryce, because he's a genius, has already called it up, has brought up a bunch of uh, screenshots of the cinematography. They do something that helps to amplify the disjointed, um, uh, uh, unsettling nature of the show in that uh, the shot reverse shot is completely wrong. First of all, two-thirds of any given scene is space above the head, and most often two characters when they're talking are talking into the corner where you don't see the other person. It feels so wrong the entire time you're watching. Uh, It's brilliant, 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 brilliant. Also, uh, an amazing performance by B.D. Wong. By who? By B.D. Wong. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I don't know if it's a spoiler to uh, give context yes. to that. Uh, that's no, fine. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> we'll stop. B.D. Wong is really great in this. Um, yeah, I mean, hey. there's, there, there's, there is a moment where, you know, you, you, have, you have people that got to make a, a big impression with not a lot of time, and uh, that is certainly something that happens. Uh, all, the cast is great. Uh, you know, here's what, what I found. I tweeted this in, in watching it. And, and and to kind of go back to 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 the amazing pouty lips, like that cast is like they could you could just take that cast and put them on some CW show where they're vampires in the Middle Ages, right? Like, and and they would all wear bodices and and just look amazing and gorgeous together. They are all like really, really, really pretty actors, exceptionally pretty actors. Well, and, and, and yet, yet, and yet, they, through like. A concerted effort, they make them all look flawed and unpretty, like, right? Like trash. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, uh, like, like, like Clint Eastwood in the desert and Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Like, especially, uh, uh, uh you know, Rami, the the, the R- Rami the, Malik, yeah, yeah, Rami Malik, the the uh, the Elliot who plays Elliot in the the main character. Like, man, that dude. <laughs> Any other show, he could be an action hero. He could be in a Marvel movie, and he he would be, you know, the the big smile and wink kind of handsome guy. He looks every inch of of kind of the the, the weird character, just the weirdo. I, I mean, he he perfectly. I, I mean, it's almost as though we all know that guy. By the way. Uh, for those of you guys wondering why we spent 20 minutes talking about Mr. Robot is because it premieres with season two this week on the 13th on USA Network. Um, the uh, And I don't know if you know this, uh, Justin, but the uh, all of the episodes for the second season directed by the creator, Sam Esmail. He only did one or two episodes of the first season. He's and doing all of them. Of he's the second he's season. writing them all, too. Oh, that's right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I... I I, I was very curious to read more about him. And that might be another element of this is that uh, maybe part of this generation of television is now that we have 
kind of uh, canonized the showrunner in a way that we never really did before in television right. and made them the brilliant god geniuses. Uh, you see them have more power and, and, and with that more prestige down to the fact that uh, in, in this particular show, you have the creator's name uh, as if he was, you know, Quentin Tarantino on the front of every single uh, episode. This is very much, uh, you know, where TV traditionally is, you know, takes a village to make a child. There's a writer's room. Even if somebody writes, uh, you know, a, a writer uh, will write the, the script and the showrunner will probably rewrite a fair amount of it. But yet sure. the, the original writer gets the credit. This dude, like, it, it, it is... It, maybe it's that's his something baby. that further makes it feel cinematic is because, like a movie, and that takes a lot of people too, uh, there, it is the director's film, right? You know, they're, they're prestige directors. And this, to me, feels like a prestige showrunner show in the way that a Darren Aronofsky uh, or, or a David Fincher would have put their mark on something in, in the late 90s. Well, and that's one of those two-way streets, right? Where it's like, on the one hand, uh, that is that is cultural bandwidth that the network hands a singular person to be like, we're going to let everyone know that this is your thing, which, of course, is, you know, great, um, uh, has, has great, uh, uh, I don't know, cult cultural value for, for getting ahead. Uh, but on the flip side, it also makes them personally responsible for it if it's not good. Like, uh, it, it, it also shifts responsibility if this is too weird for Oh, for listen, and, and by the way, if Mr. Robot Season 2 disappears up its own butt and, and in, in its pretensions and, and you know, uh, uh, becomes obsessed with giving us too many turns and not enough resolutions, uh, he will be the one who gets blamed. Correct, mm -hmm. correct. Uh, that, that, will, that will, in fact, be the case. Uh, I, I certainly hope not. The, you know, the reviews on the first episode that the, the debuts this week are are excellent. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, man, and and maybe we can we can have a spoiler uh, discussion on this. But like, there there are times, especially binge watching it, man. Like, I I, I became more paranoid. Like, I I became uh, doubting what I was watching and what I wasn't watching. Like, it is a paranoia. Uh, festival and and by the end of it as characters start to talk to each other and you're like wait do they know each other like why are they talking to each other wait why is like you know now this person has this opportunity is that a trap or is that just a thing like <laughs> now you start to feel like Elliot seeing men in black on the street like yeah. you you are paranoid about the decisions that the characters are making in a way that's kind of rare for television Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Robot, that's my pick. What's yours? <laughs> uh, I think no. I think we all we all did Mr. Robot. That was a, that was a, a a triple shot, Mr. Robot. Unless Bryce, you had something else. Um, I do have something that I want to share because I've been in love with it for maybe the past three months, and I keep watching it over and over again. Uh, it's a series on Polygon uh, called Monster Factory. <laughs> okay, now, if I remember correctly, you explained this to me as a, it's a video series where literally it's two charismatic individuals doing nothing but doing character creation screens, trying to make them as hideous as possible and yes. laughing about it. Yes, so they will go into video <laughs> games and, like, uh, if you're watching this live video, we've got, they've got <laughs> Fallout 4. And they're just <laughs> making this ghostly face. Uh, they skip ahead and they make uh, Trash Holt. 
<laughs> it was sort of a shabby looking man with a bloody face and Hulk Hogan's hair. <laughs> uh, and so it's pretty amazing, actually. I already love this. And, and so <laughs> it's it's uh, uh, Griffin and Justin McElroy, who you might know from My Brother and My Brother and Me, the podcast. And they they go in and they make these nasty characters and then they play the game as them and they characterize them. And uh, they're great. They're like by by all accounts, it it, it is a video that is uh, that ought to be too long. Like they're usually a half hour or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're so funny and uh, so into the concept. Like there's no pretense of like we're you know gonna try to be funny. Like they are fully into this. Um, and. And it's, it's <laughs> for the audio listeners, we're watching video of them going around and stealing the clothes off of all the other members of the vault. Yeah, so they did a, a three-part Fallout 4 uh, saga with the final Pam uh, trying to break the game from the inside, and they succeed. Oh, that's uh, great. And uh, I think it's – I think the – if you know the film critic Hulk – uh, oh, oh sure. Uh, the, the guy who writes um, uh, movie uh, reviews and stuff in all caps and stuff. Right. Kind of as Hulk. Uh, he called it like the funniest piece of television ever made uh, or something like that. Like the funniest thing on the planet, which maybe is I, I don't know. It's uh, YouTube knows that I like to watch this and it recommends it to me constantly because I will just rewatch these. <laughs> um, so if Mr. Robot is a little <laughs> too serious, uh, check out Monster Factory. That's on uh uh, Polygon, polygon.com or YouTube.com. That is amazing. Uh, well, Brian, any final words? Man, I, uh, I, I feel like the only thing we denied the listeners was some kind of scenario. We'll just have to come back and be in the moment a little more hardcore next week. I felt like we got a little bit silly, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, Bryce, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brycas, B-R-Y-C-A-S, and check out my new music thing. Uh, uh, it's a music playlist project, so if you like cool new music, uh, this is great. By the way, because yeah. uh, well, if you're a listener uh, or watcher of DiamondClub.tv, uh, you oftentimes hear awesome selections for the pre-show, post-show music. Uh, Bryce, turns out that uh, listening to a lot of music and making music makes you uh, pretty good at picking Better good music, music really good music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you. I. Uh, yeah, I I got Apple Music and then was like, oh, s- s- streaming music is very cool. There's a lot of stuff here. Oh hell yeah! Uh, so I I I had this idea to do a email newsletter slash playlist thing. So every couple of weeks, I send out people an Apple Music and Spotify link. Oh to... wait, I can sign up for your mailing list. Yeah, where do I go? Yeah, so you go to right that sounds dot cool, is the actual URL. What? Uh, and so you can see, you know, previous uh, email lists. They have uh, subscribe to email list. Yeah, there's a subscribe to email list button, and uh, you know, I pull out some some particular releases in that playlist that I like, and I talk about them a little bit. Um, and it goes straight to your email, and it comes out every couple of weeks or so. I uh, I really think it's cool. I think we've got. I'm surprised at how many people are subscribed. Dude, uh, but, well, I mean, yeah, nutty thing. Turns out when you put out reliable, good content. People respond. Yeah. Who knew? Well, and uh, I what 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 makes me really happy about it is that it, it's the the transaction doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like when you get it, you're I don't I'm not selling you on anything anymore. Yeah, sure, sure, you sure. You can click this link if you'd like it. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Which is uh, uh, 
something I'm really happy about because it feels it doesn't feel like a you know future revenue stream. It feels like a hobby. No, it, it, it's 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 a fun project. Uh, Nashcom, you are indeed the Beshcom. Uh, and as for us, folks, it's been weird. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.